0: I just start, Chris? Okay. Well, welcome to Epic Significance. I uh, stand before you a very grateful woman. I'm grateful to be teaching for my 12th year here at Brookside. Uh, Yeah, it's gone quickly. And uh, I'm grateful to be teaching Ephesians. It's actually the second time I've taught Ephesians. But grateful to be teaching this amazing book that is just so chock full of, I think, life-changing a life-changing message for us. So I'm grateful we're teaching that. And most of all, I'm grateful for each of you. Uh, I I know that you have intentionally chosen this study, and that humbles me, and I do not take that lightly. So thank you for being here. Uh, I like to start, and a lot of you have known me for a lot of years. Literally, I was calculating this. There, there are at least three women in here who have known me for nearly 30 years. So uh, you, you you know you've, a lot of you have known me very well for a very long time. but Uh, Just tell you a little bit about myself before we begin. I'm married to Jeff. We've been married, uh, celebrated a month ago today, our 27th anniversary, which I realize is longer than some of you have been on the planet. Uh, But I do want to assure you that the spark has not gone out of our marriage, as you can tell. That is not the right picture, I don't think. I think we wanted the next picture on that one. Yeah, this is Jeff and me, and this is uh, my family was all here this summer, and uh, I love this picture. I don't like it of me. I wish there, you know, I wish that we could crop out some things. But um, my whole family was here, and we decided to have a family dance party at our family cabin. And uh, so we were dancing to a lot of different songs. And then my sister said, this one's for Amy and Jeff, and put up a song. And and they had us, just the two of us, dance. And uh, I don't know why we got picked out of the four couples in the family, but uh, we were. And yes, it was a Donny Osmond song, but... uh... (laughs) I think Jeff maybe had some mixed emotions about that, but he was willing to dance with me. And I just want to tell you, uh, just unequivocally, the, the spark has not gone out after 27 years. I am so blessed uh, that I get to walk day, uh, day, day by day with this wonderful, godly, humble, gentle man. We have three children. Our oldest son is Josh. He is 23 years old. Just turned 23 on Saturday. This one will make me cry. Um, Those of you who have walked with me through the last four years um, know that it's been a rough road for Josh. Josh, through a series of weird God-ordained events, chose to go to Zambia uh, in April or May with our church. And to say that it was life-changing would be an understatement. Uh, God rocked his world, and this little boy right here in Teta, Zambia, rocked Josh's world. Ironically enough, that boy's name is Gift. And uh, Josh came home uh, a changed person uh, from that trip. And to those of you who did walk through me through those years, honestly, there were times, and there were many, um, that I told God, God, I know You have the power to draw Josh back to yourself. I just don't see how you're going to do it. And after Josh came back from Zambia and it was clear that God had changed him, I just felt the Spirit of God say to me, Amy, that's because you couldn't conceive of a four-year-old orphan named Gift, but I could. Uh, And so we are rejoicing. And you'll hear more about Josh, especially when, you, when we get to James. I write a whole thing about Josh, and I've had his permission to do so. The one I wrote last year, I didn't have his permission, so please don't tell him. But <laughs> I think he'd give me permission now. Uh, so we are just praising Jesus for the changes that have occurred in Josh's life. We have a daughter that I've already introduced to you a little bit, Katie. She will be 18 on Monday, and she is loving every minute. This is one of her senior pictures. Uh, She is loving every minute of her senior year at Bellevue West. She um, comes home happy every day. And uh, I am pretty sure that I'm either going to have to have Mary Jo Osterholm's husband or Carol Finley's husband, or perhaps both, hook me up with some Valium when she leaves home next year uh, because I am not looking forward to it. I uh, don't know how many... Moms can say that they, their 17-year-old daughter is delightful, but my 17-year-old daughter is delightful, and we're, we're very blessed. And uh, God worked on her uh, this summer as well. She, as a lot of you know, was intending to major in um, vocal performance at Belmont University. And um, she listened to God, and she is now going to be a social work major and become a social worker in the foster care system. Uh, maybe at Belmont, we don't know. She also would like for me to tell you that she is selling these Yonkers Community Days booklet. They're only $5. bucks. they are a great deal. The fleece sheets alone are worth it. That is a shameless promotion. But trust me, I saved hundreds of dollars on Christmas presents with this booklet last year. So that's that. Don't tell Mandy I did that, because that's like totally a shameless plug. Our youngest son is Lane. He is 14. Uh, I know it's hard to see him there, because he kind of just blends in. Uh, that, That was his first day of school camo outfit given to him by his older brother. Uh, He was very excited about it. And uh, he is, people don't believe he's 14 usually because he's nearly six feet tall. He wears a size 12 shoe. The saddest part about Lane growing up is that I believe that we are past the point where he is our most unintentionally funny child. For 12 years, I have milked stories of Lane saying things that he has no clue are absolutely hilarious. He said something this summer and I thought, Good, I got one, and I can't remember what it was. <laughs> so, um, so I'm going to share an old one because this is probably my favorite one of all time. Was when Lane was probably about five or six. And we were at the funeral of Jeff's aunt, who died at 100, loving Jesus all the way. You know you're old when you live in a nursing home. And we, I, we went to visit Aunt Jenny. This is, you know, I don't know, a year or two before she died. And I was walking, Lane around because he was getting into trouble. And so took him to see the dog and the birds. And I, and I sat down by this elderly woman, elderly woman. And she said, well, who are you here visiting? I said, oh, we're here visiting Jeanette Swenson. And she said, oh. Jeanette Swenson was my favorite teacher in elementary school. <laughs> you know you're old when you're in the nursing home with your elementary students. So, so Jenny died loving Jesus, 100 years old. And this was Lane's first real funeral. So the body's there. And so I was really worried about, how's he handling this? And so you know I kept saying, are you doing OK? Now, Lane, to this day, when he's nervous and he doesn't know what's going on, he does this. You ask him a question, he won't talk. Uh, he doesn't talk much anyway. He won't talk. He'll just nod or shake his head. So you know, I'd say, "You doing okay? Yeah. You, you, you have any questions?" No. Yeah. And it's, everything was yes and no. We're, so we're sitting in the service, and I keep saying, "Are you are you all right? Are you?" And then finally, he leans over to me and he says, "Mom, I like this place. Can I have my birthday birthday party here?" <laughs> Now, we are in the chapel of the nursing home where Jenny lived. And I, I, I said to him, dude, I don't know if the nursing home does, does birthday party packages. But I can ask. <laughs> so, I have no idea where that came from. Um, and then our, our, a, a rundown of our family would not be complete without uh, Barkley, the wonder sheep who is seven years old. And um, I was pretty sure, I I used to say we were pretty sure, and my entire family looked at me and said, no, you were pretty sure that we were going to lose Barkley this summer in July. Uh, He had a lump on his abdomen that the doctor said, very seriously said, I am nearly 100% sure that this is a fast-growing malignant tumor and it needs to come out now. And then the last thing she said is there's an outside chance that it's a hernia because it's close to his belly button. I'm like, he's got a belly button? Who knew he's got a belly button? But so he's got a belly button. And so I, and this is a very long story. I was going to not go to track camp. I'm like, my dog's dying. I get, and my whole family went, no, you're going to track camp. And I went, I didn't want to be there. I mean, it was, it was awful. And uh, he finally had the surgery, and it was a hernia. And he is back to his happy, wonderful self. And we're, I'm, I'm tr- tremendously grateful. Uh, we're all tremendously grateful. I know, I know he's just a dog. But those of you who think he's just a dog don't know him. <laughs> <laughs> he's a wonderful dog. I love that dog. Uh, so we're very happy about that. So that's my family. I, I always like to make sure that you know my qualifications to be here. And you may want to write these down. These are my qualifications. I love God's word, and I love to teach. That's it. I have no advanced degrees. I'm not a scholar. In fact, the one degree I have is a degree in social studies education and physical education from St. Olaf College. So I'm really, in a worldly sense, not qualified to do this. I'm not even that smart. But I love God's word, and I love to teach. And I have to do this. I I have a part-time job now. I have a real, actual part-time job. Uh, I'm a, I am, I'm an elementary PE teacher at Cornerstone Christian School. Ella Hood is one of my little kindergartners. I am loving that job. I just have to tell you, I get hugs every day. Just random hugs. I'll be walking down the hallway and kids come and hug me. Uh, now they've learned that my name is Mrs. Kieser and not Mrs. Kiesy. They've also learned that my name is not Mrs. PE teacher. Every day I was getting Mrs. P.E. teacher, what are we doing today, Mrs. P.E. teacher? So uh, now they do know I'm Mrs. Kieser, which kind of makes me sad. I liked being Mrs. P.E. teacher. But when I got the call saying, would you be interested in this, they said it's Tuesday, Thursday. And I said, no, I'm not interested. Sorry. (laughs) I got another gig on Tuesdays. So they changed it to Monday and Friday. Uh, And I'm very grateful for that because I I have to do this. I heard a person, uh, a teacher once say, teaching for me is like breathing. I have to do it. Uh, and that's the way I feel about teaching uh, Bible study. I just love to do it. So my, my volunteer gig is, uh, drives everything else that I, I do. Um, so uh, those are my qualifications. And then I, I want to talk to you a little bit about this study. And there are some changes for this year. So I want to make sure you know what's going on. And if you have any questions, give you an opportunity to ask them. Um, I approach, every study I approach, I approach the same way. I'm a simple gal. My husband would probably dispute that, but I really am. I'm a, I'm a simple gal, and I have a simple philosophy about uh, digging into God's Word. Here's what I want to know when I study the Bible. What does it say? What does it mean? And how can I apply it to my life? Uh, to me, there is value in just knowing what's in the book, Even if we don't completely understand it, God's Word itself tells us that that His Word never returns void. And so there's value in just knowing what's in there. Our little little, uh, preschoolers and and kindergartners learn Bible verses. I don't think they really know what those mean. I love to quote my nephew Timmy when he was little. He's now like 16 and huge. But um, when he was in Cubbies, his first verse he was supposed to learn was, there's none righteous, no, not one. And this is how Timmy said it. He said, there is none. No, no, none. Now, he he got it. I think he got the idea. He didn't really know what he was saying. But there's value uh, in knowing what God's word says. But there's obviously more value in knowing what it means. One of the things we'll talk about a lot in Ephesians is what does it mean to be in Christ? Paul uses the terminology in Christ a lot in all of his letters. But in Ephesians, It's everywhere. There's some sentences where it says either in Christ or through him or in him like three times in one English sentence, which usually in Paul's sentences is like a quarter of a sentence. I mean, his sentences are very long. So he uses that terminology all the time. So then what does that mean? That's really important for understanding Ephesians. What does it mean that we are in Christ, that every blessing we have is in Christ? And so we'll talk a lot about that. But even more, and... And every year my prayer for my studies is that what we are learning would penetrate past our minds and to our hearts and be lived out in our lives. That we would apply to our lives what God is teaching us. I think that what we're doing with the community groups within Bible study this year is really going to help that process. And I think that the way the study is written a little differently is also going to help that process. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, so the questions are, will be similar, those of you who have been in the study before, to what we've had in the past. There are five days of questions each week. Each day has anywhere between six to nine or so questions. It'll take you 15 to 20 minutes uh, to do each day. I do recommend that you do it in five days. I understand I don't even do it in five days. I have to do it in a shortened amount of time so that I can get to studying for the lecture. But I do recommend, I think it works better if you do it uh, in the five days. There, within those questions, there are three kinds of questions. They're regular questions. They just have a number. Then there are questions that are called thought provoker questions. You will know those, because before, after the number and before the question, it says thought provoker. So that kind of gives it away. Uh, the way I define a thought provoker question is this. It is a question that is designed to provoke thought. Uh, and it's it, it may it may really I mean you'll have you won't just be able to write down you know Paul I mean it is going to be more serious than that you may have to think about it for a while you may have to ponder it you may have to leave it blank and that's fine guess what I've done that left them blank and then studied the commentaries and got, oh yeah, that's what I was thinking when I wrote that question. Um, so it you know it, it may take a little bit of thought and it's fine to leave them blank. And then finally, there are a few that are called challenge questions and they say challenge in front of them. And those are questions that you might have to go to some outside source uh, to find the answer that it, it won't be readily available to you within the text of Ephesians. Um, if you don't get the study done. So you get to Tuesday morning and you're, you know, oh my gosh, I only got one day done. Oh my gosh, I didn't get any done. Oh, please still come. This isn't Weight Watchers. When I did Weight Watchers, it was like, you know what? I know I gained two pounds this week. I'm not going anywhere near that meeting. Okay, this isn't that, okay? We're, we want you here and you will glean from being with your small group. Uh, whether or not you did those questions. And so please come anyway, whether or not you got the questions done. Um, now let's talk about a little bit um, about those Reflection Weeks. You will still have questions those weeks. Um, and they will there will still be five days' worth of questions. It, it, the, the powers that be here at Brookside are calling it like offsite or community days. I'm calling them Reflection Weeks because that, that reflects much more what I've tried to do with those. And so you'll still have five days' worth of questions, but there will be fewer questions. And the questions will be designed to do a couple of things. They'll be designed, we'll go back over what we've already studied. We won't cover new ground. And then I'll, I'll I ask questions that are more about, where does this intersect with my life? And, and make you ponder those things. So for example, our first uh, reflection week is after we've done uh, Ephesians 1, 1 through two ten. And most of you know that, um, probably know Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, where Paul says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so no one can boast. So I don't have that one up there. I, I don't want to scare you about that. Um, and so um, what I talk about, part of what I talk about, which we didn't have time to talk about when, we, when I did this, the actual questions for uh, 2, 8, and 9, is we have been saved by grace. What does that mean for our lives? If God has extended such grace to us that was undeserved, then how ought we be be extending that same grace to people around us? So there are questions that hopefully will intersect with your lives and, and help you apply it to your lives to reflect on what you've learned. What I wanted to do is create some time and space that we've never had before to really think about And so carve out that time, that's important time. The other thing uh, to really, I didn't finish that sentence, did it? To really think about what God's saying to us um, through this study of Ephesians. Um, The other thing that it gives us time to do is really concentrate on uh, Bible memory verses. Now, a couple of things. We've always had, I've always had a memory verse at the top of every lesson. I don't know if you actually know that. Some of you could have been with me for 12 years and going, seriously? You've had a memory verse at the top of every lesson, um, and uh, and so and I just leave it up to the leaders to decide whether or not to do, or the or you guys to decide whether or not to do something. We're going to be more intentional about it this time. Uh, we did this in Romans. I think I heard Carol talking about that. You're, you are going to memorize, and you can do this. You are going to memorize Ephesians two one through ten over the course uh, of this this class. And we'll take it a little bit of time, and we'll add some each week. And you'll spend some concentrated time on those reflection weeks learning those. And keep up with it. Don't wait for the, OK, I'll do this on the, the community day week. Keep up with it but um, so, so that you can memorize that. Um, and, and I want to do that for a couple of reasons. One reason is that I believe that it's tremendously important for us to hide God's word in our heart, to have it there. So that we can recall it. I really don't like it when there's a verse that I know and it's in there and I say, you know, somewhere in the Bible doesn't it say, and I say something like it. It's really much better when it's really in there. It's solidly in there. In fact, uh, Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It is as we hide God's word in our heart, it's as we really truly know and understand God's word that we can live it out. And so I think it's tremendously important for us to, to memorize these verses, and I wanna challenge you to do that, and I know um, that it's not easy, um, but we're gonna give you some helps. First of all, it's gonna be there every week for you to read through, and then online, and I don't know where yet, Chris isn't still kneeling back there, is he No, Yeah, uh, but I've actually recorded it um, and, uh, Ephesians two one through ten, and it will be available for you to download to a CD or to your iPod or your iPad or your i whatever you have that I don't have. But um, and and you can listen to it. You can listen to it in the car. You can listen to it at home for a lot of you. Now I did not do a song. I'm sorry. Songs really help me. It's how I learned the fruit of the spirit. Um, but uh, you know, it. Uh, if you want to create a song out of it, that would be that would be wonderful. But I really would like to. Um, challenge you to do that and um, you know who knows maybe we'll have little rewards maybe it'll involve chocolate if you uh, if you learn that Um, so obviously on the reflection weeks there's there won't be a lecture I can't go you know from 192nd and Blondo or Blair or wherever those houses were to you know all over but uh, so there won't be a lecture but you will still have a lesson and you will you will still have that time together as a group going over that Uh, And then you'll get time just to be a part of each other's lives, which I think is really going to be a special thing. Uh, So there'll be more review weeks than covering new ground. Do you have any questions about those weeks? For our purposes, there will only be two weeks um, that have questions. The last community day is the last day. And so we will have finished the study, and then you'll have a time to just really fellowship and and enjoy one another at the end. Um, No questions? Everybody on board? I hope so. So why don't we just end uh, just the last few minutes uh, and talk about the letter of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And um, this is like a 100 pages of... Because theologians are nothing if not loquacious. They love to write. And so this is like a 100 pages of reading distilled down into... Five minutes. There's a whole lot more to this, but I'm just trying to give you uh, just the the highlights of it. Um. I love this quote from, and every time I say his name, I may giggle, and I'm going to say his name a lot, so please bear with me. But the boy's name is Klein Snodgrass. Now, please, you know, how do you say Klein Snodgrass without laughing? But uh, but I love this quote. He's a doctor, so we'll call him Dr. Klein Snodgrass. I love this quote from him. He says, pound for pound, Ephesians may well be the most influential, influential document ever written. Uh, And then he he makes a case for that statement. But it really, truly is. In fact, uh, the letter to the Ephesians was John Calvin's favorite book of the Bible, which I find, you know, all my Presbyterian friends just went, oh. (laughs) Um, It is the most contemporary book, the most contemporary letter in the New Testament. And uh, Klein Snodgrass again says that, that Ephesians is about us. It's about us. It describes human beings uh, and, and our problem with sin uh, and, and as well as God's overwhelming grace toward us in Christ and the blessings that we have because of Christ. And so it is fully relatable to us and where we are. It's about our identity uh, in Christ. I love that. Um, again, Dr. Snodgrass says that it shows us who we are without Christ and who we can become both individually and corporately in Christ. Ephesians is very much about the individual believer, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. But it is also very much about the church. And if this is true of us, then, if if you've been saved by grace and you've been saved by grace and you've been saved by grace, then how do we live together together? in unity with one another. So it's a very contemporary message, not just to individuals, but also to the church. So who wrote the letter to Ephesians? Well, you would think that would be an easy question because the very first verse says Paul, an apostle. So that kind of makes it obvious. But again, theologians love to argue. And um, so it it has been argued. And in fact, until the uh, 19th century, there was nobody, very few, that would say that Paul didn't write um, Ephesians. But beginning in the 19th century, scholars began to question that. To, and now, uh, you know, a couple hundred years later, or 150 years later, uh, more theologians, I didn't necessarily say Christians, but more theologians believe that Paul didn't write it than believe that he did. Um, now... Even those who say Paul didn't write Ephesians would tell you that admittedly whoever wrote Ephesians so, uh, was so in tune with Paul's thinking and Paul's writing that they, they mirrored Paul in writing this and in fact maybe even channeled Paul in writing this because it is so similar to what Paul has to say. Um, probably the main reason that Some theologians believe Paul, by the way, I believe Paul wrote it. Don't don't walk out the door just yet. Um, uh, Some theologians believe that Paul didn't write it is that it's very, Ephesians is very similar to uh, Colossians. Uh, There's a lot that's similar to them. And so they say the author of Ephesians and Colossians uh, is undeniably written by Paul, according to these um, theologians. And um, they say that the, the author of Ephesians obviously cribbed Colossians. I mean, obviously it was, you know, based on what Paul had written in Colossians. Um, and, and about this similarity, I, I, I actually read this sentence in a commentary. It says this. Approximately 34% of Colossians is paralleled by about 25% of Ephesians. That reminds me of a line from a Will Ferrell movie where he said, 50% of the time, it works all the time. It's like, what is that? What is that? Here's the deal. If Ephesians and Colossians were written by the same person at approximately the same time and sent to about the same part of the world, don't you think they'd have some similarities? Yeah, of course they would. And that's the case. With, uh, In fact, they were even sent with the same guy. Uh, Tychicus so um, hold on to that thought for a minute because we now we need to talk about where it was sent to and there's not uh, there's some disagreement on that as well Uh, we have a map here of um, where Ephesus is and if you can see there on the Aegean Sea in what is now Turkey that's where the ruins of Ephesus are now I, I can't look at that without just a little bit and it's very little of sadness Because what is very near there now is a city called Izmir. And my father was given um, an assignment when he he was in the Air Force. And we were living in Brussels, Belgium. And uh, he was given an assignment, a one-year assignment to Izmir, Turkey. I did not want to go to Turkey. Um, I was in 10th grade. Turkey did not sound fun to me. My father actually chose to retire from the Air Force instead of taking that assignment. And he actually just chose to retire primarily because of me, uh, because I was far from Jesus at the time and uh, not going to Izmir changed my life. But here's the part, this is this, this one little part. That's, that's where Ephesus is. Right? I could have lived near Ephesus. Maybe that would have changed my life. I don't know. So I would love to visit where I never lived. Um, and so that's, that's where Ephesus is. Here's the problem. Uh, Ephesians 1.1, which I do have a slide of that. Ephesians 1.1 says, uh, you got the next slide? There we go. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Those words in Ephesus, in the earliest manuscripts we have, are not there. The earliest manuscripts don't have in Ephesus. So how'd they get there? From its earliest times, this letter we call Ephesians was um, affiliated with Ephesus. The earliest people to quote Ephesians, and it is quoted early and it is quoted often by very early church fathers, said that it was sent to Ephesus. And so we have very early evidence that it was sent to Ephesus. Here's the problem. in Ephesians isn't like some of other Paul's other letters where he had been to Philippi. And so at the end of Philippians, he's giving these greetings and, and he's you know, telling Euodia and Syntyche to stop arguing with each other. I mean, he knew them. He obviously knew them. There's not a lot of personal... He lived in Ephesus for over two years. And yet there's not a lot of personal stuff in there. Well, you would think if he had lived there... And this was sent to Ephesus that he would have those personal greetings. Well, there's an answer to that. There's actually a couple answers to that. One is that at the time, Ephesus was a metropolis of over a million people. And and this wasn't one megachurch he was sending this to. It was a lot of little house churches. And so it may be that he chose, because there were so many people he didn't know, not to put in those real personal notes. And probably even more likely thing is that it was sent to the, it was what's called a circular letter. It was sent to the churches around, you can go back to that that map again, please. It was sent to the churches around Ephesus uh, and not, you know, it it maybe included Ephesus, but it wasn't just sent to one place. So where was Paul when he wrote Ephesians? He was in prison. He tells us that. He doesn't tell us where, but most theologians believe that he was in prison in Rome, the imprisonment that is recorded toward the end of the book of Acts. Um, So here's what we know, just to kind of sum all this up. Both Ephesians and Colossians, and by the way, just to muddy the waters a little bit, Philemon as well, um, were written at about the same time. Uh, And um, all three letters were sent with Paul's associate, Tychicus. Uh, And so Tychicus would have sailed from Rome in Italy, where Paul was, to Ephesus. And then on foot, gone to Colossae, where Colossians was, uh, as well as... um, to Philemon's house because Onesimus the slave, this is a whole different thing, uh, was with him. And uh, so on that journey, what would make sense is that he distributed this letter to the Ephesians, to the environs of Ephesus, um, to the churches that were in that area. That's why Ephesians is a more general letter than Colossians. Colossians teaches specific things about specific problems to a specific church. Ephesians is a more general letter to churches in the environs of Ephesus. So it makes sense then, would there not be similarities between two letters that were written by the same person at about the same time to address similar issues, but one was sent to a specific church and the other was sent to a series of churches in the area. So the conclusion to me is obvious that Paul wrote Ephesians and and wrote Colossians and Philemon as well. Um, And that accounts for any similarities as well as any differences. When did Paul write it? Around A.D. 60. How does she know that? Well, it's based on the timing of Acts and the timing of his imprisonment that is recorded there, and uh, and his other letters. So around A.D. 60 is probably when it was written. Sort of a general outline, just a very general outline of Ephesians. The first half, chapters 1 through 3, is primarily but not completely theological. This is pretty typical of Paul, that he'll take half the uh, letter to talk about theology and then he'll take the other half to apply it. So in that part of Ephesians, there's a lot of worship, actually. Prayer and praise of God. Uh, Verses 3 through 14 of chapter 1 is one long sentence of praise to God in the Greek. So uh, he's going to talk about who we are in Christ and all God has done for us in Christ uh, in that first half. The second half, chapters 4 through 6 is primarily, but not completely, uh, ethical application of the theology that he just gave. In fact, um, uh, Ephesians 4 verse 1 says this, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy worthy of the calling you have received. So he spends three chapters saying, this is who you are in Christ. This is what Christ has done for you. Therefore, that then, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Uh, And so it's an application of what we've learned. There is... Application in the first three chapters, and there is theology in the last three chapters, but that's kind of a general um, uh, sort of outline of the book. So here are some of the themes that we'll be looking at in Ephesians. The first is God's pursuit of us, He has always been at work, and He is still at work in our lives. The second is who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus that the universe was, uh, the universe is centered on him and God intends to bring all things in heaven and on earth under his control? Wow, that's what, that's what theologians would call a high Christology um, of, of who Jesus is. Um, and then, thirdly, the blessings that we have in Christ. One of the first things you're you're going to read is that we have every spiritual blessing, it's ours, in Christ. And so that concept of being in Christ is going to be very important. Fourthly um, is the theme that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And that's part of our memory passage. Fifthly is community and unity how do we how do believers live together in unity Uh, what does Christ's sacrifice for us have to do with how we relate to one another which I love that this book that's so much about community I had already decided to teach this book before women's Bible study decided to make the changes they were making and they didn't know that Ephesians has a lot to do with community so God Uh, does work wonderfully in those things. Uh, Sixthly, there's a contrast in Ephesians between who we once were and who we are now in Christ. In fact, Ephesians 5.8 almost serves as a summary of the whole letter where Paul writes, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. This is who you once were That's not who you are anymore because of Jesus. So become who you are, Paul is saying. Uh, The seventh thing is worship and prayer. In fact, I think one of the purposes of the worship that is so prevalent in the first three chapters is to teach us what worship is so that we know what it means to worship. Uh, Family relationships, and we will get into marriage. A lot of chapter five is about husbands and wives. Uh, living with one another. Uh, And spiritual warfare, chapter 6. If you know anything about chapter 6, you know that it's the put on the full armor of God. So just to finish up, Paul's desire for the Ephesians, and I believe for us as well, is that they and we would be encouraged and united in love and that they and we would understand what God in Christ has done for us. And that they and we would understand who we are in Christ. Um, Ladies, Ephesians is, in the words of one theologian, relentlessly relational. That excites me. I'm a relational person. And I think women tend to be. And I'm so excited to, to find out what God has to tell us about life, about himself, and about our relationships through studying Ephesians. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for these women. Uh, Thank you for this opportunity to get started uh, and and learn from you about Ephesians. We love you, Father. We praise you, uh, and we thank you uh, for the word you have given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll see you next week.